0: people, I'm Juba, a London-born, Essex-raised and Berlin-based DJ, and welcome back to series two of the Assurance podcast. Last year, I released Assurance, the documentary that I made about the experiences of female DJs in Nigeria. After its release, I realised that there were so many other stories to explore, and I wanted to continue the conversations that were started with the first documentary. In each episode, I'm going to be talking to inspiring women DJs in the global South and delving into their own personal journeys, their local music scenes, and the impact of their social context on their careers and lives. Series 2 of The Assurance Podcast is sponsored by Adidas and Zalando as part of their Step Into You campaign, which is all about empowerment and confidently taking up space someone is gonna mess with you someone is always ready to try you in so many
1: different ways like I said economically people are ready to to take and that's got nothing to do with taking so that they can have more it's taking to survive you know what I'm saying because of the huge economic gap and then also your body people are willing to take because people think that women's bodies and like queer people's bodies are for whoever and whatever so you need to be able to walk around and <laughs> you need to be able to walk around and, and look like a threat basically which is wild
0: Hello, hello people and welcome back to the Assurance Podcast. Today is the last episode of the Assurance Podcast Series 2. Wow. I just want to say thanks to everyone who has joined me throughout this series, who's tuned in on a weekly basis. I really appreciate you guys listening in. It's been a journey and I'm glad you've been on it with me. However, the beauty of podcasts is that they exist for eternity or They exist for as long as streaming platforms will exist for. So they will be there for you to listen back to. So make sure you tune back in, you know, every now and then if you want a refresh. And um, today we're coming to the end. As I said, we're coming full circle. Today is actually a bit of a bonus episode, to be fair, um, because I kicked off the series with Gina Jeans from Namibia in South Africa. And it was a really interesting episode because it was kind of like a a comparative show comparing her homeland of Namibia to her adopted land of South Africa. Um, And today I thought I'd go back to South Africa because I wanted to talk to a South African DJ about their country, about their music scene. So it's more like from the inside looking in as opposed to a comparison. So I thought that would be important to do. And today I'm joined by your uncle, Gary, originally from KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. And Your Uncle Gary is a DJ, a sound designer, a digital artist, and a cultural curator currently living in Joburg or Johannesburg, South Africa. She's been involved in the creative world of Joburg for a decade now and started DJing in 2017 through the Pussy Party DJ Workshops. Playing music only by women artists, Your Uncle Gary is a multi-genre DJ who aims to create a warm space for women and non-binary folk on all kinds of dance floors, prioritising softness and vibes whilst highlighting the contributions of women artists in the music industry. Hey Gary, how you doing?
1: Hey Chine, how are you doing? Thank you for having me, this is great.
0: Oh my god, you call me Chine, it's Chuba. <gasps>
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Good, how are you? I'm well, how are you <laughs> Chuba? <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're still gonna call me you Um I'm good, I'm good, mate. I'm I'm just here, I'm chilling. It's the last episode of the Assurance Podcast series, so it's like, you know, it's been great doing it and um I just wanna go out with a bang. How are you?
1: I'm okay. It's been a crazy week. I've had all kinds of illnesses on Monday. I was sick on Tuesday, I was sick with something completely different. I feel like my body's just tired and it's only like not even the weekend. I was really hoping. <laughs> when I woke up that it would be the weekend but no it's not I think we're just exhausted also I think our bodies are just kind of
0: done 100% I think our bodies are exhausted I think mentally we're exhausted because I think we spent a lot of time trying to like push through regardless of what's going on and we're just tired man but it's funny because we've kind of come out of lockdown and we're already tired and it's like wait so how are we going to (laughs) get Are we gonna survive for the rest of our
1: lives? (laughs) (laughs) Not the rest of our lives. I feel like it's also quite overwhelming. It's it's so much of a sensory overload for me going outside. I'm just like, whoa! I'm having so much fun. I don't know. I think I'm gonna have a panic attack.
0: It's like fun and panic attacks never used to go hand in hand. I went out um, the other day, last weekend, there was a party. It's collective in Berlin called Rise. and They do sort of like Afro, techno-y, house-y music. And it was their first party for like a year and a half. And I managed to stay out till 6am, but I'm not going to lie to you it killed me but I was like I must I must stay out <laughs> but yeah it's a lot to go back yeah 6 a.m man. actually 7 I'll have you know
1: <laughs> I love that for you I'm yawning at half past 10 I'm like yo <laughs> I'm like yo guys remember our beds remember when we weren't allowed to go outside and we could sleep only <laughs>
0: and we had no like we couldn't feel guilty because we had no choice but to stay at home you know what i'm a homebody though like i'm i'm two sides i love indulging in being at home you know give me a cozy sofa a blanket a book or like a nice series to watch or some music to listen to i'm down for it but also give me like five days of straight like events and parties and stuff and i'm also down for that
1: yes i think i'm also very much on that on both ends of the spectrum I love being at home. I love being at home, chilling, relaxing, seeing nobody, chatting to not a soul (laughs) in real life. Yeah. But also going out and being out till 6 a.m., oh, that whole experience is so much fun. And then after that, I'll disappear for another few weeks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I feel you. Like, sometimes when I'm out and it's like the sun is coming up, I'm like, damn, the sun is coming up and I'm still out. But also, I'm like, the sun is coming up and I'm still out. But then also, other times, like, um, I... I can literally not see people for like I think my maximum that I've gone is like literally two weeks without interacting with another human being and I felt Mm -hmm. fine but then suddenly I was like wait something's missing ah human contact (laughs)
1: yes that's exactly what happens that's exactly what happens
0: anyway man let's get into the conversation I'm excited for our chat today as I said I kicked off the series with Gina Jeans from Namibia living in South Africa and I thought it was really cool to like have that comparison but I also thought it would be interesting and probably important to like come back and like have a a sort of exploration of South Africa from a, a South African DJ so I'm really excited To see what we're gonna chat about. So, your Uncle Gary, love that name by the way. Um, your Uncle Gary, with all the DJs that I've contacted that I've spoken to on the podcast, I always want to sort of start off by understanding your journey into DJing. You mentioned or I mentioned in your intro that you started with DJ workshops with Pussy Party. So tell us, when did you first touch a pair of decks?
1: whoa so it was probably around it was early 2017 probably mid 2017 um is when i decided yo let me do workshops let me learn how to dj and i just needed one friend to tell me because the pussy <laughs> party workshops were happening they were like yo if anybody wants to learn how to dj you should come and <laughs> you should come through or like book a session with us we're down and i was very shy about it but i was thinking about it really deeply because I was always out. I was always at every party on every dance floor. Very specifically, if the lineup is hot, Gary's probably on the on that dance floor, wherever it is. I was very much, I was very much a party girl. And the transition made sense to me because of how much I appreciated music and how much I, I appreciated DJs as well. And so a friend of mine was just like, yo, we're going to DJ workshops. And I was like, perfect. That's all I needed. I just needed one person. <laughs> to say, <laughs> let's go.
0: <laughs> I like that because it's like you you wanted to, but you needed that extra push and someone yes, gave it yes, to you. Yes, yes, yes. How many workshops did you do? Yes. Like what was that journey like?
1: I think I did three or four. It was probably four, because it took about a month or two. So I did probably two um a month. And then they were like, yo, um we're gonna book you for a pussy party that's coming up. I think it was in November. I wasn't able to squeeze in a lesson before, but then a friend of mine asked me to play <laughs> Asked me that. to play at their event like a week before my Pussy Party debut and I was like great this is going to be a form of practice for me.
0: Actually this is amazing because this is me asking you the second question which is tell us about your first gig. It was crazy luckily because of just how Pussy
1: Party worked we were taught how to do everything around CGJ so how to plug things in like what buttons to press if you want something to happen if you don't want something to happen. <laughs> Um, so then I went to this gig, which was just like really cute and small. And they had this sound guy. There's always a random sound guy. Anyway, they had this sound guy who was just the most unhelpful person and the channels were messed up and I can't remember what was happening, but I knew it was a simple solution. So I kept asking this dude, I was like, yo dude, there's something that's wrong here. Something's not happening. Do, 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 do. And he was just being unhelpful. And then I realized, no, I know what I'm doing here. So I just unplugged the channel and plugged it in properly or whatever I needed to do. And then it was done and it was sorted. And I was like, wow, I was so grateful. But then that dude just kept hovering over me the entire time, acting like he was touching cables, acting like he was being helpful. And I was like, I figured this out for myself. And that actually gave me a lot of confidence to to get to Pussy Party the next week and be like. I went through a lot on CDJs that I've never, ever used before. I think they were like 350s or something. And I managed to play an entire set and my friends were happy with it. So I don't care. It was wild. And I think in that moment, I realized that I like to know as much as possible about the things that I'm doing. So I don't just want to know how to DJ. I want to know how to be able to set up the sound and make sure everything makes sense to me. Because if I have to call another person to come and help. I'd like to be able to communicate the kind of help that I need from them. Yeah, without feeling small, I suppose.
0: That's a really interesting point because for me, I am, hmm, when it comes to technology, I am useless. I can't explain how useless I am. I'm trying to get better because there is a real use in having that self-reliance and like not having to wait for someone to do things for you. But it's really, yeah, it's useful to actually just know what you're doing. And as you say, know what you need help with, because sometimes you're like, oh, the sound's not working, but it's like, it will help if you can be like the sound isn't working because this chord is broken, you know, which is cool. But does it ever kind of like make you a bit anxious though? Like the fact that you kind of want things to be in the right place or you want to have control over your surroundings?
1: I'm always anxious. (laughs) just as a person but I think because of that I try my best to over prepare I was telling a friend of mine who just recently started DJing again and they were stressed about something and I was just like just over prepare for your set so that if anything goes wrong you know that you are I know that I'm sorted in my capacity um, and everything else is like a technical issue on the part of the CDJs or the sound but I I over prepare. I write things down, especially if I'm like trying to play a very special set. I'll write down all of the tracks that I'm playing, the BPMs, the transitions, just to make sure that my anxiety doesn't also get the
0: best of me in moments, because that can happen. See, that to me is a uh, fascinating <laughs> approach, because I sometimes think that as to play devil's advocate, maybe, doesn't that restrict you and therefore not make you able to, like, be flexible in the moment? Because I definitely had that as well. I remember my first gig, actually, I prepared everything, but then it all went tits up. And I think sometimes, like, the fact that I was so so over-prepared, it meant I wasn't able to, like... Well, actually, also, I just started DJing. But it meant I wasn't able to, like, be flexible in that moment. And sometimes I wonder if actually, sometimes making room for that flexibility means that you're more able to just, like, deal with things that occur in that moment. Because, obviously, you can prepare, but the way your life works isn't always in a completely like um structured way. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I love that question, actually, because what I always say to what I always say to myself and to my friends is that I need to know all the rules so that I can break the rules. Mm. I need to know everything that's happening. I need to know my full capacity, all the things that I can could possibly do and get away with in order for me to be able to, to go in a completely different direction. Preparation for me comes just with setting an intentional energy for something more than anything else because I know that I can be anxious and that that can hold me back in a lot of ways. I over prepare to. To kind of quell that, to kind of give myself a, a lollipop, like, there you go. Mm. See, you prepared. Yeah. So Now, even if something goes wrong and I have to do something completely different, which, oh my gosh, which has happened. And I've played some of my best sets like that. And I've also played some of my best sets with over-preparation. Um, it helps me a lot mentally because I'm just like, you've done everything you could possibly do. you prepared to the T when you had to pivot, you completely pivoted. And then I can leave the venue knowing that I did my best.
0: I love that. Um, and that makes a lot of sense because yeah, I was obviously getting at the whole unpredictability of life. Like You can always prepare, but you can't predict what's going to happen. And I think that's a cool point that like you over prepare to the point that you know you're set, but you also allow yourself that wiggle room to like just be malleable and to be free in the moment if needs be, or to change things up. I had a gig one time <laughs> and because um, I used to really prepare my sets before and I had this, gig and I prepared a certain kind of set and I got there and I was so um dedicated to playing my set I just cleared the floor at first because the girl before me had been playing like really hard sort of like sort of drum and bass and yeah just fast hard stuff and then I came in and I was like okay I'm gonna start with some I'm a piano and I'm gonna sort of like build up to a bit of this and I cleared the floor within the, the first <laughs> minutes of the set and I had to switch that shit up real quick so yeah sometimes uh it's cool to like have the preparation but also be like okay cool this crowd is not actually vibing with what I had for them
1: exactly I went I played at an event um one of the first events to pop up when like lockdown started easing and I would gotten there with the idea that I was gonna get there it's afternoon 4 p.m I'm gonna play some smooth vibes first of all I get there and it's packed people are jumping the club is jumping
0: jumping jump in jump in yes for the destiny's child reference
1: (laughs) i was like hold on okay i'm gonna have to pivot and then i get to the decks and i got there and i was just like okay i don't know first of all i've never used this kind of decks before but i need to play so i just started and i played a completely 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 different set to what i thought i would play and they have been booking me ever since. They're like, we love you. We love, love, it. you.
0: Love, it. To love, love it. Love it. Love it, love it,
1: love it. And I'm like, oh great, I'm so glad that that worked out for me.
0: But no, I love that. I know. I hope your first set, your Pussy Party set and your um, pre-Pussy Party set actually went well as your first gig
1: my first set went well in the sense that everybody enjoyed it I was just like frazzled but it was a lot of fun and it was very as a very supportive space because it was an event by friends of
0: mine nice 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 love that well good vibes and it's really nice and important that um, we kind of are able to have our baptism into DJing in nice spaces that make us feel safe and supported by our peers so definitely that's really cool
1: yes 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 especially supported
0: definitely your uncle gary um as i mentioned before i have done an episode with gina james and she's based in south africa but she's Nam- namibian and the reason i brought you on was because as i mentioned i kind of wanted to get a perspective from a south african about their country as well so tell me what is the situation in south africa what's going on um what is it like in south africa
1: south africa is wild um <laughs> it's- it's a jungle. <laughs> it's really a crazy place because there's so much happening all the time. I guess socially, there's like a very huge economic gap that's like quite prevalent and that affects mostly Black people. We have to deal with gender-based violence and like if we're dealing with gender-based violence, honestly, in a country where the population is a majority Black, that means that gender-based violence also affects a lot of uh, Black people and Black households. And um Gender-based violence, not just being, I guess, domestic violence. It's also just violence against people who are going against gender norms as well. Um, We have a lot of, like, violence against the LGBTQ community, even though we, we, like, pioneer a lot of and, like, push a lot of support to that community or to my community. I'm part of that. But in the streets and in real life, it doesn't feel that way because it is very dangerous to be a queer person in the streets. It's very dangerous to be a woman um just to be a woman or a queer person being alive in South Africa is crazy. And then looking at the economic um divide. And then we just don't have electricity sometimes.
0: Mate, I'm I'm Nigerian so I know the feeling of that in Nigeria.
1: <laughs> so it's like it's a very unsettling for me, I'm at a point, I guess, where I feel like very unsettled. And living in Johannesburg is wild because Johannesburg is a very masculine city. Like the feeling Mm-hmm. it's very very masculine um, and you kind of just have to be a lion as soon as you step out of your house and that's why sometimes I just don't leave my house because I don't want to be a lion today I don't want to fight anybody I don't want to perhaps be in a situation where I have to uh, defend myself or another person and then we just have the most amazing artists and music and it's, it's really puzzling it's very strange living here or uh, being from here <laughs>
0: You know, I find that very interesting what you said about the whole masculine. You have to leave your house and be masculine. Because actually, it kind of makes me think of when I'm in Nigeria, my blood pressure goes up. Because like, as you say, it's like you go out and there's like the energy you have to fight. You know, you have to, oh God, you have to be like, you have to assume this, I say masculine, aggressive energy, um, regardless of your gender. Because it just is how, I guess, people interact. And I guess sometimes if you're not from the place, you might not understand it or might even find it scary Um, and it can be even scary if you're from there but it just almost is like a way of being a way of communicating you just become like more you're not going to take shit because if you know if you don't do that then like you may well come across people giving you shit
1: yes exactly that's exactly it being able to walk outside and feel like you're safe means that you need to be able to look like somewhat of a threat in a way and that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of energy to expand on just going out to maybe just get a, lo- a loaf of bread. It's, it's way too much. And I live um, right in the city, which I love. I love living in the city. Um, I think it's crazy. It's so much fun. But it's also like just a lot of people, a lot of interaction. And you have to look like you're from there. Otherwise, it's over for you. In like so many different ways, anything could happen, really.
0: When you say look like you're from there, what does that mean in terms of like nationality, in terms of like uh, conforming to the social norms or what?
1: Exactly. So this xenophobia is rife in South Africa. It's a very big, big, big problem. And it's not being it's not being addressed or tackled in a way that is effective by the people who are in power. So you have to look like first in Johannesburg, you have to look like you're not scared of anything. And then you kind of have to be also be over prepared for anything that could happen, because I've been in situations where (laughs) I've been in situations where I was in a car with a friend and they were driving and we stopped at at a robot and someone tried to rob us of our phones. And my friend was about to give them their phone. And I looked at them and I said, we don't have phones. And my friend looked at me and I was like, no, 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 we don't have phones. And then the robot turned green, and we drove off. And I'm like, "Friend, you were really about to give them their phone. They were just chancing." And that's the energy that you have to have. You have to have. <laughs> you have to have that energy of, "Nah, yeah. no one's gonna mess with me. No one's gonna mess with me." Because as soon as you change that, um, someone is gonna mess with you. Someone is always ready to try you in so many different ways. Like I said, economically, people are ready to to take. And that's got nothing to do with taking so that they can have more. It's taking to survive, you know what I'm saying? Because of the huge economic gap. And then also your body, people are willing to take because people think that women's bodies and like queer people's bodies are for whoever and whatever. So you need to be able to walk around and <laughs> you need to be able to walk around and, and look like a threat, basically, which is wild.
0: Yeah. You know what? Funnily enough though, since I've lived in Berlin, I find Berlin to be a very aggressive place. So I do find myself even in Berlin sometimes assuming a certain like don't fuck with me vibe but obviously Berlin and, and Johannesburg I can't imagine comparing um, you mentioned something road is it road work road work you said when you stopped at the road work just to make sure that I understand the word you used well
1: oh, at the sorry at the robot um, the ro- what would you call it robot a robot yeah
0: I was in, like, robot, I'm a robot. <laughs> No,
1: robot, okay. as in green, red, yellow. Sorry, guys, that's what we call it. <laughs>
0: okay, no, no, exactly, no, I, there's often terms that people use in the podcast that I'm not aware of, so I want to always clarify just to make sure that everyone listening understands. R- R2-D2, robot. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, no, Um, and quickly, like, in terms of the xenophobia, where does this stem from? Is it economic? Like, because I've definitely heard about outbursts of xenophobia happening in South Africa on, like, sort of, every few years
1: at least once a year actually that's the actual chat at least once a year there's some kind of outbreak of xenophobic attacks that happen and it is definitely an economic situation so as a south african my experience has always been that the wealth in south africa wealth distribution has been is dismal in the sense that 90% of south africa's wealth is owned by the minority which is the white people but they're so far away like it feels like they're not real Sometimes living in Johannesburg in the CBD, sometimes I just won't see a white person for days. And so it just feels like they are not real people. And I think that divide is what um, leaves Black people with other Black people. And so who's the first next person that people are going to try and attack? Um, The first next person that people are going to try and attack are are quote-unquote foreigners. Those are the people they're going to take their aggression out on. Mm. And it's really disheartening because of the fact that if you do look, look at it, it is just simply because of the fact that the white minority has secluded itself and really separated itself from the rest of the country. And they feel like they're too far away for people to actually do something about the fact that they own so much wealth. But they're really not. They're really not that far away. So then people take these things out on um i feel like they take these things out on women queer people and quote unquote foreigners who are just trying to live
0: yeah i mean i'm not from south africa so um i can't comment but i do find it disheartening i think also because of the history of south africa and how like the white people treated south africans i'm like oh guys like you know we shouldn't as africans be like hurting each other in this continent like we've we've suffered that already from outsiders but in a way maybe there's some kind of like ptsd or some kind of um reflectional action or I say reflex action um, that comes from the experience of whiteness and how they took essentially the economic wealth and the strength from the country and how they sort of um inflicted violence against South Africans, black South Africans. So now black South Africans are almost like inflicting that upon others who are different to them or who have come into their country. I don't know.
1: That's exactly what it is, um, because South Africa is also a very violent place, like in a very low-key way. It's very, very violent, like the things that have happened even in the past few months. And that violence honestly stems from the fact that we've been out of apartheid for as long? How old am I? I'm 28. Yeah, for about 27 years. Yeah, 94.
0: Isn't it insane that you were born yeah. and the apartheid was happening? That is insane to yeah. me. My God. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. I just had to say that because it's Insane.
1: It's crazy to me, and um, and my life initially in the beginning of like school, career, and all of these things, everything was normal for me. Nothing was weird. Um, I went to schools with white kids and all of that stuff, and. Later on, realising and learning that, well, very recently, this wasn't something that was allowed. It's very interesting. And then the older you get, the more you realise what is actually happening in this country, which is just the lack of healing. There's been no healing work done to help people who are very much still alive, who had to go through apartheid. Like our parents, basically. Our parents are in shambles. There's so much trauma.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Because also the history is so recent and whether or not people were accepting of it, many people were complicit or at least were benefiting from it in a very very acute term you know we talk about like you know slavery in the usa in the americas even like britain but it's like that was actually hundreds of years ago and as much as it still impacts us today people who were perpetrating it are not alive today whereas actually in south africa the people who were perpetrating um the apartheid and benefiting from it genuinely are walking down the street still
1: yes everybody is still living a very normal life everyone who was alive doing apartheid, doing all of the horrific crimes that they've done. Some of them went to jail, some of them got out of jail and everything just kind of carried on in a very diplomatic, quote unquote, like peaceful type of way. And because of all of that and the lack of people being able to get answers for so many like atrocities that were honestly done to black people, not getting answers, not getting real apologies, not getting a real um, kind of a payback to say, hey, we did this to you. We did this to your family. How can we help you build your life again? None of that. Now you can sit with white people, basically. That's what happened. They were like, oh, okay. So all these white people were trying to kill you for all these years. Or they killed you for all of these years. And they took so much from you for all of these years. But now you get to sit with them and go to, school, to the same schools. And it's, I just, I'm very angry
0: all the time yeah is, is it like okay so we we're killing you and we're all like oppressing you in your own country but now you can sit with us um at the tables in schools and yeah it's all great I mean I don't know honestly I feel like I'm such a militant I'm such a I'm, I say I'm a militant but let's be honest now I'm a freaking champagne socialist who freaking you know tweets and then like I don't know how how dirty my hands actually get but I'm definitely a fan of like burning shit down yeah. <laughs> anyway on that note um no I think it's really interesting what you've been talking about as well in terms. Terms of like you know sort of gender the experiences and the lgbtq um experiences i think we're going to come into that a lot more as we talk even about the music scene as well and like the the space for gender representation on the dance floor but you know you did mention that you love joburg, you did mention that it's crazy and i can imagine that for all of the floors you were saying you, you live in johannesburg and you love in johannesburg so
1: yeah I love it here. It's such a vibe. Um, My two favorite cities in South Africa are Johannesburg and Durban. Durban does not get a lot of hype. And I love that because it is actually the best party place (laughs) in the world. You've got the beach and you've got some of the most talented um, musicians who are just churning out electronic music constantly. That's where a lot of music has come from a lot of South African music has come from.
0: As a DJ who specialises, I say specialises, but focuses on music from Africa and African diaspora, South Africa is probably my biggest musical inspiration, like, at least in recent times. Nigeria is there, obviously, because I'm Nigerian, but SA is killing it. But actually, speaking about that, let's talk about the music scene. Tell us about Joburg, tell us about the music scene there, what's going on. I think a lot of us, especially in my music scene, are obsessed with South African music, with what's coming out of Joburg and Durban. So yeah, fill us in.
1: The music scene is crazy and it's so beautiful and so dynamic there have been so many genres that have come out of South africa that that south africans have just kind of sat on and lived with and i feel like some of the first things that the world got to taste from us was home back in 2014 2015 when dj lag was big when the rude boys and destruction boys were doing the most and now with amapiano or the yanos as we call it. Um, what do you call it? Sorry,
0: pianos? We call it dayanos. Dayanos, okay. Dayanos,
1: yes. With dayanos taking over the way it did, it's honestly, for me, when I look at it as a person who loves and appreciates music, I think about the fact that ball music was doing exactly what Amapiano is doing now, but doing it on very much an underground level. And that's how now people are on top of things I guess when it comes to South African music I feel like okay people kind of started listening a little bit because there was a lot of music coming from South Africa at some point in a very underground scene way and now because Amapiano is just our national anthem every Amapiano song that comes out (laughs) (laughs) is our favorite song it's so it's so beautiful to explore the world with that um, it's also like very interesting to see because I always think about the fact that the, the there's this conversation about producers and vocalists on tracks and like kind of the credits and how that works out when a producer made the beat and then the lyrics that we're singing come from usually a woman and they bring so much more of the culture of the music of the genre like a lot of the the culture of the Amapiano genre came from like people like Gamon Bela, people like Durbin Goko, they brought a lot of culture. Like this is how we move to this. We're cute. We're cute girlies. We're cute. And all of that came from beyond the decks. So they've been like I've been having conversations around like crediting um, vocalists on these tracks because mm. there's also a, because of gender-based violence and like gender inequality, it's been very easy for people to make tracks with vocalists and, ju- and then just not credit them. Um, and it'd be just DJ, just Juba on the track. And there's a whole vocalist who sang this and they either didn't get paid. There was a vocalist who took a producer to courts recently because a track that she made that was big. And then there was a Burner Boy remix Um, this track was huge it was this will be our Mm. national anthem in 2020 she didn't get paid for that
0: Mm. this is very interesting to me because I I think there's always that conversation around producers and credits and the vocalists and artists like who gets the credits because funnily enough I think a lot of the time people feel like producers especially when it comes to like writing about songs you know in the media and like in editorial often producers are missed out but it depends also on the genre because when you're talking about pop music and stuff like that I don't think people care about the producers Mm -hmm. things like I'm a piano um, com, like people care about the producers. Those are the ones that we talk about whereas actually the vocalists don't necessarily Get the credit when actually they bring so much of the vibe. I also find, for me, it's interesting watching the growth of amapiano Piano. I mean, I love the genre, and obviously, I do think like TikTok and Instagram have played a, an important, I guess, role in the diffusion of things like amapiano Piano to different ecosystems and different parts of the world. Because every other day, there's like a new amapiano Piano-based dance challenge. Gone in 2015, as you were saying, was literally the talk of the town. And now, I mean, I don't know for you in South Africa, in Joburg, you know, because I know it's from Durban, right? Like, are people still interested in that?
1: I think the beauty with ah, we are still definitely jamming to gom, let me start there. There are some new, very hot gom tracks that are jumping out. And because of the, with Amapiano, Piano, there have been so many great lyricists. Who have just popped up on the scene? The merging of those lyricists with Gom—it's just been electric. Um, gom has never stopped. Like Gom has been. When was I in high school? In twenty eleven. In twenty eleven, I was doing my final year of high school, and there was this one Gom track that we would play before our Afrikaans exam. Afrikaans is one of our national languages, whatever. Um, and there was this one track yeah. that we would play just before, and it was that's a Gom. That was a gum track. And that was in 2010, 2011 And for gum to only blow up in 2015 and to still be hot now, for me shows a lot of longevity. I don't think I could drop a gum track and people not dance because it's had so much time also to develop as an art form. And the DJs have had so much time to play with it that it's just I think they know exactly what we want and what we're looking for from Gom tracks. And I'm yeah. hoping that um, Ama piano also gets given that moment, even though it's shining so much. I and mean, it's like, just allow people to play with it more because we, the people who live here, us, we want to hear so much more from these genres
0: definitely and i think living out in the west living out in a part of the world where you have all these like music magazines like dj mag and mix mag and fact mag who in some ways have positioned themselves as the tastemakers i think there's always that risk of us thinking that if we in this part of the world no longer care about it it's like no longer relevant it's like no because in the countries where this music comes from it will always be relevant genres don't stay the same anyway they don't stay static they actually evolve and move with time that's just the beauty of music creation. I think as long as there are people who are inspired and are making new sounds and like moving on, then there's always going to be something there. And who knows, like, what's going to be the sound in the next 10 years? How is that going to have, you know, involved Queto sounds and Afro House and Tom and Ama Piano? Look at me trying to do the click. I can't can like it. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying with my Nigerian tongue. Um, but yeah, no, I it's really interesting what you're saying. And I can just imagine, like, Geez, going out in Joburg, like the partying must be insane.
1: Going out in Joburg is so much fun. I have a very great group of friends or like a really great community and we love to dress up. So it's a whole scene. It's a whole scene. Everybody gets dressed. Everybody is ready for the night. And since lockdown, it's been quite interesting coming outside, though, because I haven't been finding a lot of variety in the lineups when it comes to... Like the sound that the DJs are playing. I've been hearing a lot of Deep House, which I think is crazy. Um, I think I'm like, Deep House is great, but I don't understand when we got back here when there's so many other genres. (laughs) So it's been really strange, like on the lineups. I'm hoping that it gets more interesting as we go. But also because of restrictions, I guess people were trying to do more mellow vibes. But I um, I think we almost died and we need to rock, basically.
0: So let's rock <laughs> definitely that's a great way to put it we almost died we need to rock we need to appreciate the time we have going back now um to talk about the music scene I want to talk about women about gender representation you are obviously part of the LGBTQ community and that's like a really big part of like your musical experience as well so tell us how it is um in Johannesburg in South Africa for gender representation femme female women in music
1: I feel like It's such a great time right now to be a DJ because there are so many women DJs that I know and there are so many um, queer DJs that I know like just in Johannesburg and not even think about the rest of the country because I know so many spread across. And I don't know when we all learn to DJ, but I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really happy for us because it feels really comfortable and almost uh, looking at lineups and not seeing a woman or a queer person on the lineup almost feels like weird um we're definitely at that point now we are definitely definitely at that point where it's very strange if the lineup doesn't have a woman or doesn't have a queer person that you know of I think it's really interesting though I maybe this is my own personal experience I always think about how people put together lineups and it's always felt for me anyway that people were kind of testing me out and I'm very much an excellent warm-up DJ I'm not gonna lie to y'all I'm very good at making sure that it's warm (laughs) for whoever else is coming I've had people come up to me and say I loved your set the rest of the party was trash though and I'm just like great as long as I did my job being
0: a warm-up DJ is actually a skill because you need to be able to like bring the party but also do it in a way that is warming people up and not going too hard at the beginning so I, I salute you
1: yes 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 so it's like very interesting because I I get booked a lot for starter warm-up sets and I've noticed that a lot of other women DJs get booked a lot for starter warm-up sets when they're fully capable of playing even second or third on the lineup. It feels like they're just filling in a quota like I got somebody down but it's like you're not fully invested in my growth so you're not gonna actually Mm -hmm. listen to my set and then say hey would you be down to play maybe a little bit later? You're not really invested in In women DJs or queer DJs, you're just kind of ticking the boxes. I know and understand a lot of people's capabilities. And so sometimes I see someone on the lineup and I see what time they're playing and I'm like, that's so silly. Why would you put that person on such an early time slot when they could really, really rock the house?
0: I think this is also an interesting question about lineup politics and sort of, you know, even on the posters and the flyers, like how big someone's name is. And yeah, as you say, there's like the women, the the LGBTQ representation is not an issue. It's almost like now put in some respect on those like names when you put them on your lineups.
1: Exactly, they'll literally be bands sitting up. They'll be doing whatever there'll be nobody at the party and people will expect you to play and have a good time and say, oh, I had such a great time when you didn't even, you've never listened to any of my mixes. You're not really sure of my capacity as a DJ. Actually, you don't really care. Um, You're just ticking these boxes. Yeah, like you said, I think some respect needs to be put into play now. Um, Now that people know that we want to see certain people on lineups, they need to start like, respecting those people honestly and truly and doing the work and doing the research behind them it's not hard to click on the, everybody's got a link tree click on the link tree right listen to the mix and be like oh this could go well at this slot instead of just assuming because mm-hmm. i'm really at the point where i'm gonna get to these early sets and rock just rock the house <laughs> <laughs> to
0: like hard dark or whatever you know like other heavy heavy metal, heavy metal or something. Just, some protest it's music. It's <laughs> They vogue music first thing in the morning. Ooh literally yeah no it's also um for me eye-opening sort of talking to such a range of djs from some djs who are like there's literally two women who dj in the whole of my city and we just have no space to like you which is like i guess the other end of the spectrum where it's like there are so many of us it's undeniable there's access we have like you know these workshops to encourage you know women lgbtq people into the the scene but now it's like yeah now whilst we are on the lineups like bump us up and give us equal opportunities across the sort of lineup as opposed to yeah the, the warm-up allocation which is should not just be for like one gender or something
1: yeah I would also say that actually when I think about it the more masculine uh, people who play more masculine music I would say rap hip-hop um, quite specifically and like who would play very specifically boom, um, those people get their get their, their slots on lineups very easily it's been really weird for me actually to see the fact that Even though they're giving slots to women and queer people, they're still prioritizing masculinity within that. So that's also something that I think people don't realize that they have that prejudice in their minds. It's just like, oh, this is just the kind of music that I like. But maybe you should think a little further about that
0: quite like a nuanced point that you mentioned that it's not just about gender it's like within gender even if you're a woman and you'll play if you'll play more masculine music that is still preferred and it kind of goes into the concept you're talking about like Johannesburg being a very masculine place and masculine energy predominating so yeah Um, and also for you I guess because you only play music by women that's to me, is quite a commitment, to be honest.
1: I'm so wild. I just uh, decided to do something crazy with my life. And now I have this, <laughs> this big challenge in front of me constantly. Um, but it's been so much fun and so rewarding. Um, I hosted a birthday party of mine a few years ago. It was like 2018. And I was playing, 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 a little bit drunk. And then I played a Kanye West song. And he said a line that I didn't like. Um, it was that one that was to Taylor Swift. I made that bitch famous. I mm. wanted to switch off everything and go home. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Mood kill. I wanted to end the party there. I was like, what am I playing? Why? I don't believe in this. I don't like his tone. I don't like um, the fact that he's associating his. I don't even care about it. Let me tell you right now. Taylor Swift. I don't care. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> But the fact that. He was talking that way about a woman who has her own success and who who he has disrespected before in the past. I'm just like, I don't actually want to put this kind of energy out there anymore. I don't care. I don't care. And that's when my journey started of just playing music made by women. I started off with like majority women and then I went all the way with women. There's so many beautiful, amazing producers who are women who are coming out into the world. And I feel like I have so much music to play now. I didn't feel that way when I started but I right now I feel like I have so much music to play just book me and I'll play the house down
0: mm-hmm. and like you have your niche you have what works for you and it means that you kind of like dedicate a lot of time to dig in and searching and finding things in a very um, purposeful intentional way which is really cool I have to say I play music by everyone but you know Ultimately, I do enjoy, like, different approaches to music. It's really, really interesting to talk about. Would you ever play, um, do you think you ever play, like, I don't know, feminist music that might be written by men? I
1: think if I, I don't know who I'll be, like, when I leave South Africa. I don't know what I'm going to play. Mm. Your Uncle Gary's here to comfort the babies in whatever way they need. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was telling my friend the other day that I might just become a gom DJ if I move overseas and just, like, be done with all of my internal politics but i don't know if if there's (laughs) i don't know if that world exists you know because i might get to a place and be like "Uh uh-uh this place needs afro beats and then i'll just you know but my uh journey has always been really really about highlighting the contributions of women artists like very much about that i've just always been very passionate about women getting their shine Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. Mate, women getting their shine, but also you reserve the right to develop as a person, but also definitely here for women getting their shine. Yes. Series two of the Assurance podcast is sponsored by Adidas and Zalando as part of their Step Into You campaign. This is all about women taking up space and self-empowerment by empowering others. So, Gary, your Uncle Gary, oopsie, let me not let me put respect on your name, your Uncle Gary. Um <laughs> it's been great talking to you so far. You just really obviously have a lot of principles that you stand by, a lot of insights that I find really, really fascinating and eye-opening. And it's, yeah, it's been a great chat to end the series. And so, as I mentioned, this podcast is sponsored by Adidas and Zelando as part of their Step Into You campaign. So I kind of want to ask you, and for people who are listening, how have you like realized your own power? How have you occupied space, stood your ground in your career? as a creative as a dj musician uh curator designer everything yeah um
1: like the main thing for me has always been to be intentional and then to focus my energy so deciding to play music by women artists was me setting an intention and then like smaller intentions sit around that Me dressing up in a very specific way when I go and DJ. And yeah, just thinking a little more deeply about what I'm putting onto the dance floor when I step in there. A lot of the work that I do as I mentioned, is around women. And I'm not limiting that. I've done writing for publications. Um, I really enjoy interviewing and speaking to women artists um, and getting their stories out there, because we don't get that a lot. We don't get in South Africa. I don't know. We don't have a lot of publications that are like, I guess, MixMag and all of these things that are doing um, work to put the stories of artists out there. So being able to speak to women artists, being able to make just friendships and like collaborations and outwardly supporting, that's one of my main things that I really, really, really try to do is to not support people in silence. But being intentional and being focused for me, I think has carved out a really nice little nook for me in my community. I think people know exactly what to expect from me when it comes to my politics and the way that I speak about things. I try to be to stay informed and be educated on things, but also to speak, to speak up. Um, Because as Black people, we are, we're made to feel like our opinions don't need to be out there. We're made to feel like a little bit smaller, having real, real, real conversations and sharing real information about things. Um, is really important to me because conversation is how we evolve. It's how we evolve our thinking. It's how we evolve... Yeah, it's how we evolve our thinking and how we evolve our communities. So I think for me, it's been really important to be intentional and to be focused. And my intention is very much set on women and Black women specifically. I'd like to do so many things. I'd like to do so many things with that. I started a, a radio show, self-produced, that's really fun. Um, and then I got depressed. So then I stopped. But uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I... I want to get back to that because that helped me a lot when it came to digging for music, because I was feeling so uninspired. Mm. But then just digging for music that I just want to share with people that's not not necessarily for a set. And then realizing that, oh, Gary, everything that you're doing is archiving. All of these, uh, for as long as the internet exists, you will have all of these mixes that have only women artists on them. And that's you documenting and archiving the work of like some really dope artists that you love. And Mm. thinking of things in that way for me has really helped push me more, making more mixes, doing more things, like trying to do more interviews like this where I share my story and where I encourage um, other women to just do whatever you want to do.
0: I feel like in your first answer, you basically answered my second question because I can almost guess what you're going to say. But I wanted to ask you, what motivates you? What inspires you?
1: Yeah, black women inspire me. Black women motivate me. I was raised by, I'm a, what? I'm a non-binary person who identifies as a black woman because uh, gender doesn't apply to black people in the way that, I guess, um, patriarchy wanted it, patriarchy and whiteness wanted it to apply to themselves. White people created that thing for themselves. And I've always felt like the black women's experience is so specific. And I am outside of gender completely But I know my experience and I know how I get treated outside and I know how I'm seen. I know if I dress as like I know, even if I don't dress a certain way, how the world will receive me. And so like the nuance of being a black woman is really, really important to me. And it's very, it's very inspiring and it's very, it brings a lot to the table for me when it comes to creativity and like all of the amount of ding that I can do. The fact that I could play music just made by women, and I could play so many different
0: genres is Wild to me. What a concise answer, but it said so much. And I find it what you're saying about um you identifying as non-binary, but you know you're very much like are aware of how society views you. You're aware that you're born a woman, etc. But it's the fact that what womanhood is, especially someone like South Africa, where whiteness is so I guess predominant or influential, not in a good way, in how you view yourself and how womanhood and how blackness is viewed, it kind of leaves you outside of that binary because you don't probably fit into like what whiteness decided femininity was
1: exactly um when it comes to I'm I'm a very feminine presenting um person when I DJ and I like to do that quite specifically unless I'm like tired or whatever I don't care then (laughs) but Mm -hmm. usually I like to dress up and I like to I feel my most powerful and my most masculine when I'm my most feminine and that for me is that for me shows like the spectrum that we're living in and how like if we're allowed to play within that spectrum how we can honestly and truly find our power so when it comes to gender specifically and identifying I guess as a girl I never identified as a girl when I was a child I hated being called a little girl hello little girl hated it Mm. um (laughs) But then, growing up and like realizing I guess a few years ago and looking looking at my life and being like, "Yeah, I didn't care about gender, but this is how specifically the experience of a black woman has looked like for me, being black and being a woman and being queer has like culminated in this very specific nuance that I can't." leave behind because i know that i'm non-binary i think there's a lot of non-binary people also feel the same way it's like it's a very specific experience and i'm happy to be here um they them she her if you're cute
0: <laughs> I love that. No, it's a really interesting perspective, and I think the conversation around gender identity, the binaries, is really, really an important one to be had. And I do think like the the concept of deciding what is masculinity, what is femininity, needs to be opened up and needs to be questioned in this day and age because it's been so rigid. I'm definitely here for uh, you know questioning these sort of boundaries and these borders and binaries. And you came up through Pussy Party, the Pussy Party. Uh, sort of workshop so tell me about people organizations collectives in your region that are doing great work for gender diversity you know female femme representation in the music scene in Joburg or in South Africa or Africa or wherever
1: yeah 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 I came up through Pussy Party and it, it was it's such a great space to learn and to gain confidence I really I really commend Pussy Party for that for being just a really great space to learn one the basics and then to gain confidence, gain an audience, and begin to kind of think of who who you want to be in this DJ world. There's also a, another amazing promoter. I would say I don't even want to say promoter because she puts together all of these events. There's what it's called the Rainbow Social, and she does brunches, she does um, just nights out dancing, um, weekends away, and very much catering to black women audiences and the lineups are magnificent um so yeah landa willie she's really really dope i really love the work that she's doing for for black women specifically spoken priestess is a dj i really believe in individuals because i think being in collectives is really helpful but is really helpful for support and to gain confidence. But the main thing I think in our human experience, things that help us evolve and to become our next like best version is individual thoughts and like really sitting in our own authenticity. Broken Priestess, she's amazing. She plays only beats. She just dropped her first track and it was just a bunch of women on their rapping and singing and she did this really 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 big campaign for this and i started loving her because she only plays Afro beats in South Africa that is a very interesting stance I would say because of the fact that we have so many genres that you could pick from that are just our own and then also because like there's also stuff from abroad that you could do like people be playing hip-hop and all of that stuff but she decided no I'm going to play afro beats and that also obviously includes um South African music because we're African there but she really really prioritizes that and then when she started dropping music like seeing how she prioritizes the 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 voices of women African artists I I really I really stand her and I like what she's doing and how she's thinking and I hope that that translate to other people feeling like they can also be individuals I feel like with the path that I'm taking I'm being very much an individual in the industry that helps inspire a lot of people to think outside of the box of should I be doing what the rest of my community is doing or can I just do whatever I want and usually honestly and truly the answer is I can do whatever I want
0: yeah and also i think it's really good to be able to have your individual thought processes as well i think collectives are important and collective thought plays an important role in discourse and sort of society but it's also important for us as individuals to have our own approaches and standpoints because like you know we don't want a situation of just groupthink and just doing what everyone else does so i'm here for that um and finally for this section looking back on your career what lessons have you learned what knowledge would you impart upon your younger uncle gary as they were starting out as a dj
1: um what would I say I'd say don't worry (laughs) don't stress um this is going to be fun remember to have the most fun if you're not having fun ask yourself why you're not having fun um and then pivot pivot to something that would make it more fun for you um you don't have to choose you don't have to choose a gender you don't have to choose a genre you don't have to choose anything you can just um go with the flow and see how that goes because yeah because you're made up of so many little different parts and like so many nuances that if you get to share that in music you should do that you should do that so yeah have fun and you don't have to pick at least not right now
0: that's cool have fun mate because ultimately in the short life we have we need to have good experiences and also yeah like yeah honestly Max we're not we're not around for long um and yeah definitely like you don't have to be restricted by anything like even what you're saying about you know at the moment in time or at this moment in time you only play music by women but who knows you might change your mind and that's okay because like we're not beholden to anything apart from our own choices
1: exactly exactly I I'm really happy that I make decisions and I do it and I do it to the fullest because I know when I'm done I'm done i can be like i did that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 like that was my part of life at that moment and now i'm on to the next one love <laughs> that all right so your uncle gary we have come to the end of the podcast it's the last section reflective section is it reflective or reflectional it's reflect
1: <laughs> it's reflectional what? even a word i don't know i think reflective english
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, if Shakespeare could do it, so can I. We're coming to the, a reflectionary <laughs> a reflectionary part of the podcast. Um and can you share with us a no moment? So it's a moment in your DJing career when you doubted your decision to become a DJ?
1: Very much last week, I think. Oh okay. <laughs> Very much last week. I think um like the battle of just being an artist in South Africa is like really, really heavy. And like the lack of support that you get. Um people will love what you're putting out there, but it's like crazy. Sometimes I have conversations with people and I'll be like, oh this person wants to pay me or this person paid me this much for this set and they're shocked. And I'm like, yes, this is what I have to put up with. And getting like either late payments, having to chase people for that and like having to somehow convince people that what you do is serious even though they were very serious when they booked you and you played a seriously good set. Um When it comes to like survival and like them thinking about your survival. I don't know if people think that DJs are rich. I really get that. I get that vibe from people. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not rich. I'm doing this. This is my job. It's really Mm -hmm. crazy because of the fact that I've done art my entire life. So I've always had that entire thing of like when I was acting or when I was in film, like it was always the perception of, oh, because your your black parents allowed you to do all of this art stuff it means that you must have some kind of backup or support and that's not really the truth like my parents were down with me doing whatever i wanted but that doesn't necessarily mean that that, that there was a financial thing for me to fall back on so it's been like really stressful like reminding people that hey we're also working this is a job this is a job this is a job so very much last week when the client mm-hmm. was refusing to pay me but they finally paid me so it's my
0: mate you know what? I feel you because it is that problem when you're in a career that's also a passion like no one's going to go to a, a an accountant or a, a mechanic and say hey you know, we're going to like even not pay you or we're going to like be funny about payment because we know that's a job. Whereas when it comes to like creative things like DJing or being an artist, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, we're only in it for the passion. Yeah. I'm in it for the passion, but my passion is also being able to eat and like pay, for, you know, yeah. pay rent. It's funny you said that because I recently have honestly turned into like, you know, those loan sharks who like chase people, like give me my fucking money, <laughs> you know? I turned into that this week because I played a gig in June. I'm I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the collective because I've already mm. like done some soft call out so I'm going to give them a bit of grace. But I did a party in June this year and like I already, like, played for, like, quite a small amount compared to what I want to actually, you know, get in. But I was like, let me do you guys a favour sort of thing and, like, I'm down for the cause. I played the party, honestly, probably one of my best sets I've done this year. People still remind me about it. And I've been chasing these people for my money since June. And I don't like to be aggressive. So, and I, I tend to, you know, just sort of, like, want to be understanding because I'm also not too fussed about, like, getting it straight away. So, June. Hey, can I have my money? Yeah, we're going to send it to you in a month. July. August. September and it's like at one point one of the people from the collective was doing a gig at the same time as me and I was like look just put my bank details on your your fee for the gig and it would come straight to me I have not gotta worry about it he was like yeah I'm gonna do that for you and it didn't come and I was like so you said you're gonna do it you told me your money came and this was like a month ago you said you're gonna give me the money last week a month ago and it's still not here so this week I've been calling this guy I've been (laughs) calling him like really getting into this sort of like aggressive like debt collector vibe not because I want to because I just feel like if I don't do that you're going to take the piss because you've been taking the piss for literally six months or four months now and I just don't like the fact that I've been sort of pushed into this position of being this aggressive like money chaser but I'm doing it because you're actually taking a mick and you're taking advantage of my grace that I've given you in the past few months where I've been waiting patiently for you to pay me but now now you're lying you're actually just lying
1: exactly that's exactly it and people will Go as far as you let them go, honestly and truly. Mm-hmm. But honestly and truly, when when it comes to chasing, I write the deepest emails. I'm very disappointed in how you've treated.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. I've I've learned that Karen language of you know you've taken advantage of me and you are not respecting the art and the craft and I bought the party and you are just you're you're. In, inflicted violence against my bank account. <laughs> yeah, but jokes aside, no. Actually, guys, pay me my money. Pay me my money.
1: <laughs> exactly. Just pay my money so I don't have to write these emails.
0: Do you know what I mean? And this, we then and now what's annoying is I'm not going to play for you guys again when actually, in fact, I would have been down to play for you again, but now it's soured. So no one's winning from this. But yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Like the chasing is not cute. But on a positive note, can you tell us a yes moment when you've been really, really just happy about your decision to DJ? You've known you've made the right choice.
1: It must have been at this event actually a few months ago, back from lockdown. I think because of just being locked away, it feels like you kind of forget who you are when you're not being perceived. But when you're outside and people are seeing you and they're seeing you being good at something that you love. I played this other event and um, they put me in a really nice slot. The sun was coming down and I was like, let me man at home. And, <laughs> the,
0: <laughs> love that.
1: and um. the party went up and I remember just playing, obviously, this really powerful back to back. R&B, hip hop women tracks, and the crowd was going up. And I was like, whoa yeah, this is exactly what I do. This is why I play this music. I wish it was in an environment where it wasn't specifically curated for black women, because I would like to be able to just be on a lineup and play this kind of music and people have enjoyed it without it being perceived as for the queers. It's not something that I'm doing because I'm playing at this queer party. This is what I do and I'd like to be able to showcase that. But when I was at that party and I was playing and the club was going up, I was really, really happy. I was like, Yeah, this is what I do. This is why I play the music that I play so that like all of the songs that we sing at home, um Whatever WAP, whatever track we're we're bumping at home, I can get to the club and we play that and we get to twerk and throw it back and have like and feel some sense of freedom. I really, really, really enjoyed that party. That was a real yes moment for me. Mm.
0: I think that's what a lot of us DJs were lacking in lockdown. I don't know how many of us were doing like live streams and all that kind of stuff and radio shows, but sometimes that instant gratification, that instant feedback that reminds you of the impact you're having on people in your surroundings is really important. And it just feels beautiful when you play a certain song and the crowd goes wild. And yeah, you know, as you say, you don't necessarily want to always feel like you can only play these songs within specific crowds that are catered towards like the music you play or like your sort of community. But on the other hand, it's also, there's a reason why you enjoy being part of these communities because they do make you feel a certain way and there is that kind of connectivity and understanding and appreciation.
1: Yes, exactly. And so like I did Boiler Room in Isolation with Pussy Party last year. And I was really depressed during the time and it, like, it really felt like a bad idea. I was like, Mm-mm, I don't know if I'm going to play anything good, but it's led to so many great opportunities. And thinking about the fact that I was approached by Apple, they were like, yo, do you want to make mixes for us? I was like, yo, I don't really play a lot of dance music, but I'd really, really love to explore women in in dance music. And just across the diaspora and across the world, really, to see what people are up to, because I'd really, really, really like to start playing more of that myself and then also to document it, you know, because of the things that happen around, like ownership when it comes to producing and all of this stuff. And when it comes to electronic music, producers are given a lot more um, clout. But something that I was thinking about was with with, Amapiano a a lot of the time it's a collaborative effort and a lot of the girls are also now coming out with their own projects and I was like this is so great because now I can make an Amapiano mix that is just entirely women and that wasn't true three years ago. Amazing. So yeah that's like that's also been a really another big part of my yes moment that okay I'm going to be playing the music that I play in the spaces that I play because I also feel good and I feel safe in them but also like to the rest of the world, I can um, put out these mixes that are documenting and archiving very special women who are doing like super dope 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 things
0: nice i feel like i'm gonna let you off because it's like a bonus episode today but you basically gave me four yes moments of that club 10 (laughs) million (laughs) your boiler room the apple um, opportunity to showcase and archive more like you know black female talent so you know what go for it man because i'm all here for the yes for moments and last last question can you share with us a message that you've received um that just empowered you and made you feel really good about yourself as a dj and sort of in the work that you're doing
1: after i play i like you go on tour like i go i say going on tour um i go and greet my friends who are at the party because sometimes you're on the decks and you see people um oh so and so is here so i go on tour and i say hey and like having those moments where people just say hey what an amazing set and then having conversations about the sets is my favorite thing because a lot of the time it's always black women who come up to me and say yo I really, really enjoyed your set. And then I'm like, did you notice that I played only women artists? And they're like, "Wow! I knew it. I knew. I, I was like, yes, I do it for you. <laughs> and I look them in the eye, I do it for you. Because <laughs>
0: um,
1: I'm-, <laughs> I'm a clown. Those are my some of my favorite club moments. But I think um, the most impactful moments for me are when, like, my childhood friends hit me up. And they're like, yo, I listened to a mix of yours, like a friend of mine hit me up the other day and they were like, yo, I listened to your mix on, I think it was on a mix cloud, like one of my chill day vibe and they were like, whoa, it started my day off so well. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I was just like, thank you so much person that I've known for so long and we're doing completely different things mm-hmm. with our lives and we haven't spoken for years and it was like just this random guy that I was really close friends with in high school but obviously life happened and he was just like yeah I really enjoyed that that was so much fun it started off my day so well and I was like yeah this is, these are the really dope yes moments when people can see you coming full circle into yourself mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really dope um moment of feeling encouraged for me
0: That's really cool because actually you never know who like has been part of your life that is no longer part of your life that is still following your movements and actually being inspired and moved by what you're doing so it's nice to know that and for that person to share that and I also love that term going on tour I'm going to use that now because I know exactly what you mean that sort of like you come down from the decks and like you walk around and you kind of do that whole like meet and greet (laughs) and the sort of like post gig appreciation acceptance session Going on tour. I going on tour. I can see going tour. on tour. you dancing. Going on tour. Going on. Going on tour in the club. Um, yeah. No, and that's really nice to hear that message from that person. Sort of pick me up. And now, Uncle Gary, it's been a great episode. I'm so glad um, we. Yeah, we kind of finished off the series with you. A nice little full circle, rounded moment back to South Africa, but from a different perspective. And honestly, ma'am, thank you for talking to me. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me um through everything we've been through and now we (laughs) all of my technical difficulties but we made it and I was like I really just wanted to have this conversation because I do feel like the more women voices are out there talking about whatever we're talking about the better so thank you for having me this was so much fun you're so fun Juba
0: oh thanks man I appreciate your absolutely hilarious it was so much fun I've really enjoyed the vibes and um, no I really appreciate you being on here and I knew we were going to make it work I knew that regardless of the time differences not even really the time difference we're at the same time but the, the internet issues and microphone issues we were going to make it happen and we have and I'm very glad
1: yes I'm glad too I'm excited to listen to this I'm excited to listen to everything now I have to start from season
0: one <laughs> nice 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 alright man catch you later bye bye And once again, I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone who has tuned in to The Assurance Podcast, to Series 1 and Series 2. And also, of course, a massive, massive thank you to all of the incredible DJs who have joined me on this series, who shared their perspectives and their insights into their music scenes, their politics on their dance floors and the gender representation behind the decks and even on the dance floors too. So really, really so grateful for everyone who's spoken to me. A big thank you to Gina Jeans, Juliana, Lila, Coco M, DJ Sharp alert maki Macook, and last but by no means least your uncle gary for being on the podcast and thanks to all the people who've tuned in as i said before so really hope you guys enjoy this and yeah i shall catch you guys somewhere wherever you're listening from thank you so this has been the assurance podcast a follow-up to my documentary that explored the experiences of female djs in nigeria Assurance, the documentary, focused on women in Lagos' music scene, but overall, Assurance is all about spotlighting voices away from the European and North American club scenes, which tend to dominate in conversations around gender and representation in music. And helping me share this empowering conversation have been Adidas and Zalando, who sponsored this podcast as part of their Step Into You campaign.